God, we thank you that your name is worthy to be praised. God, even though you do give and you do take away, God, we thank you that nothing can change the fact that you are worthy to be praised. So God, we say this morning, blessed be your name. No matter our circumstances, no matter how good or bad a week we've had, God, we say, blessed be your name. Amen. Why don't you take a seat? And for those of you that don't know, my name is Andy. I'm uh, the youth leader here at this church. Um, and I've, uh, I've passed my six-month mark, which is really exciting. And I've, I've had a great six months. I want to thank you for accepting me, for, help, for uh, starting to understand my accents um, and putting up with my face on church news as well. And I'm really excited about the future of this church. I'm really excited about the future of our young people and what God is doing amongst our young people. And um, I'm going to be, I've got a little 10-minute slot on Vision Night on Tuesday, um, and I'm going to be sharing my heart and my passion for where I want to take the young people over the next 12 months. So please do come along. Um, I want to pray for you this morning um, because you've got to listen to me. Um, so let me pray for you. God, I thank you that we're here in your presence this morning. And God, I pray that we would hear from you. God, I pray that you would be speaking through me. God, and I pray that you would help us uh, to have hearts ready to hear from you. God, I pray right now that your Holy Spirit be working amongst us. God, and I pray that you would give my friends here the spirit of interpretation that they don't struggle with my accent. <laughs> Amen. I'm really excited to be speaking to you this morning. We're continuing the David series on passion from the heart. And I'm really excited and I'm going to be focusing a lot on sung worship. Um, I find sung worship really, really funny. It, it can be a really... Comedy thing. If you if you look out for it, I've got a really really low attention span, and what tends to happen now? I sit on the front. I have to pretend to be well behaved. But if I'm not on the front, then I'm really I've got a really low uh, attention span. And Laura will be like there, just you know, just praying, just worshiping God, and I'm there making butterfly shapes, going look at the funny faces that Leon's pulling, and and saying all sorts of funny things. And I noticed some really funny things. Have you ever noticed in worship? how people aren't, aren't allowed to put their hands up in worship unless it's the chorus. Like, you, you consider too keen if you put your hand up in the verse, do you know what I mean? It's almost like, like imagine we're singing How Great Is Our God, because that's a little tease as well, because they sing the last line of the verse twice, and you're almost, you're like, oh, do I go? No, no. It goes, so it goes, oh, I can't sing, so this is going to be embarrassing, but it goes, the lion and the lamb, oh. No, the lion and the lamb, how great goat is our God. And it might be even be two hands if you're that keen. And uh, I remember a few years ago, I was at a church in London, and I was on the aisle seat. So, so the aisle's there, I'm sat here, and I'm on the edge of the aisle, and we're singing how great is our God, and I'm going for it, I'm throwing out a few shapes, I'm loving it. And uh, it's coming to the end of the chorus, and I think, right, I've got to bring my hand down. Now some people, some people go for the slow, pulling the Holy Spirit down. Some people go to the beat, those are the dancers, they go, yep, Dan, I thought I'm going to go quick, I'm going to go sharp, I'm going to bring my hand down, nobody will notice. So I'm thinking this through. While I was thinking this through, what I hadn't noticed was this little bald old man walking down the aisle with the collection plate. And what happened is we got to the end of how great is our God, and I brought my hand down really quick to slap him on the head. The poor old man nearly dropped the collection plate. He looked round to see who it was. I panicked and just went, yes, Lord. 
Just more of you, Lord. It was, it was awful. The other thing that I've noticed, um, have you ever had that moment? We've all had this moment when we've sung out of cue in a song. Do you know, it happened to me last week during that last song, Blessed Be Your Name. I was there on the front row. I was like, yes, God, blessed be your name. And then it came to the, court, uh, to the bridge, which is you give and take away, and Mark Oaks, cheeky little Mark Oaks, decided to do the bridge twice, and it caught me out. So uh, you give and take, my heart will choose to say, Lord, blessed be your name. And I went, blessed, oh. <laughs> it happens that I was ready for you this morning, no, Luke. I wasn't too keen. I was like, he's going to do it again. I know it is. And we've all, as well, we've all been there as well when we've been stood in front of somebody in worship that can't really sing and it's put us off. Put your hands up if you've ever had somebody behind you who can't really sing. Now, 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 if you've not got your hand up, it's probably you. But that's okay because it's me as well. And it's okay because there's a Simon Carl shaped angel somewhere between here and heaven that makes it all okay. Um, but I'm, I'm excited to speak to you about worship this morning. Um, I, five or six years ago, went through a real struggle with song worship um, because I was, I was working in prisons at the time and I was doing a lot of youth events. And as, as I went into prison, as I went into youth events, I could see that, that young lads weren't engaging with worship. And I would go to my home church in Liverpool and see mates my age not engaging with worship. And I spent a lot of time going, well, how can we engage young lads with worship? How can we engage young people with worship? What can we do to make worship more accessible for young people? And I really battled with it. I struggled with it. I, I struggled with songs um, that were like, uh, that sung about God being beautiful because I was like, oh, fancy God. Like, it, was, it, was a struggle. it was a hard concept for me to grasp. And I spent a couple of years really struggling with this. And this morning's talk is a result of those two years of real battle with God about sung worship. And part of that battle was looking at David. Because David, here's a guy that has killed a giant. He's got a band of mighty men. This guy was hard as nails. But yet he wrote poetry. And he's known as, as the biggest worship leader in the Bible. And for me, I, I was like, right, I've got to get into this. And one of the stories that helped me get into this, it was in 2 Samuel chapter 6. So if you want to turn in your Bibles to 2 Samuel chapter 6. Now the background to this story, this story is about the Israelites going and getting the Ark of the Covenant and taking it back into Jerusalem. Now the background to this is the Philistines had stolen the Ark of the Covenant. Philistines were like the baddies of the Old Testament and they'd stolen the Ark of the Covenant. Now if you don't know what the Ark of the Covenant is, till I was 11, I thought it was a weird form of Noah's Ark with two kinds of every animal in it. Apparently it's not. Um, It's a golden box that the Israelites believed carried the presence of God. And within this box, there was uh, the tablets of stone that Moses wrote the Ten Commandments on. There was Aaron's staff, not his like staff team, but like a stick, um, and a jar of manna. And, and Israelites believed this to carry the presence of God. And God gave some very specific instructions about the Ark of the Covenant. And three of those instructions, the first one was that nobody should ever touch the Ark of the Covenant. And then the second and third instruction was that it should always be carried, but it was carried by putting sticks through the side and they would carry it with the sticks, but it should be carried by Levites of the Kohath family. Now we're going to come back to that a little bit later, but God gave some really specific instructions about the Ark of the Covenant and we're going to pick up the story at the start of 2 Samuel chapter 6. It says this, 
David again brought together all the able young men of Israel, 30,000. He and all his men went up to Bala, which sounds great in Scouse, doesn't it? Bala! <laughs> in Judah, to bring up from there the Ark of God, which is called by the name, the name of the Lord Almighty, who is enthroned between the cherubim on the Ark. They set the Ark on a new cart and brought it from the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill. Uzar and Ahio, sons of Abinadab, were guiding the new cart with the Ark of God on it. And Ahio was walking in front of it. David and the whole house of Israel were celebrating with all their might before the Lord, with castanets, getting a bit Spanish, harps, lyres, tambourines, rattles, and cymbals. Keep your hand in your Bible. We're going to come back to that. So what happens is they go and get the Ark of the Covenant, and they're excited. And what they decide to do is put it on a cart to carry it. Now, it's interesting. I spend a lot of my life looking at things and going, how can we make this simpler? How can I make this easier for me? How can we make it quicker? How can we make it more efficient? And if I was one of the Israelites in that situation, I'd have been like, this is a brilliant idea. It doesn't need like four or six of us to carry it. Just we can put it on a a cart and then one of us can push it. And then when we come to go down a hill, we can just let it go and it'll go and it'll be easy. Like it makes sense for them to put it on a cart, doesn't it? But they compromise. And they compromise and they settle for something that's easier and more comfortable. And they settle for second best. And do you know, when, when we line this up against our worship for God, I believe sometimes we put our worship to God on a cart. And we settle for something that's second best. We settle for something that's easier and more comfortable. We make excuses. How many times do we turn up late to church and go, oh, it's okay, I've only missed the worship. How many times do we not engage with worship because we don't know this song? Or, oh, I don't like this song. How many times do we not go for it worshiping God because it's a little bit hot in here? We make excuses. We, we, we settle for second best. And do you know what? God's not interested in second best. He wants your best. Uh, a few months ago, we were at Spring Harvest, um, and we were there over the Easter weekend. And on Good Friday morning, we were there in our venue. It was about three to 400 11 to 14-year-olds. It's Good Friday morning, and the band began to sing Happy Day. Now, I find Happy Day the most ironic Christian song out there, because most of the time in churches worldwide, it's sung like this. Oh, happy day, happy day. You wash my soon away. Like, it's so ironic. And the young people were doing this. We were singing, Oh, Happy Day. And I was at the back of the venue, and I could see the young people with their hands in their pockets. They're on their phones. They're messing about with their mates. And, do you know, I get angry sometimes. Hard to believe, I know. But um, that time, I was filled with, like, a righteous anger. Like, the Holy Spirit just stirred something up in me. And then... I was pacing up and down at the back of the venue, and I just said to Laura, right, I'm going on stage. And I stormed to stage, I grabbed the microphone, and I was like, guys, it is Good Friday. Today is the day that Jesus died on a cross to save you from all your sins, and you're standing there with your hands in your pockets. God deserves more than this. God doesn't deserve to be ignored while you're texting on your phone. God doesn't deserve to be ignored while you're you're on Facebook. God deserves your absolute best. And you know That's as much as I can remember from what I said because the Holy Spirit overcame me in such a way that it was was powerful and it was angry but something broke in the young people's worship that morning because they were confronted with, you've put your worship on a cart and that's not good enough. 
The other interesting thing to note about the cart is the Israelites probably looked at each other and thought, look at this new technology that we've developed to help God. God will be well pleased with this. Come on, you all know where I'm going with this, don't you? Do you know what I mean? We think, oh yes, we're a church, we sing the latest Soul Survivor songs, we've got the latest Chris Tomlin albums, we've got all these screens. Do you know what? It's not about that, is it? It's about the heart and what our heart is at. Let's carry on the story. Verse 6, it says this. When they came to the threshing floor of Nacon, Uzar reached out and took hold of the ark of God because the oxen had stumbled. The Lord's anger burned against Uzar because of his irreverent act. Therefore, God struck him down and he died there beside the ark. Then David was angry because the Lord's wrath had broken out against Uzar. And to this day, that place is called Peraz Uzar. So what happens is, is the, the cart that the Ark of the Covenant is on, it stumbles and Uzar puts his hand out to protect it. I'm going to swap microphones. So Uzar sticks his hand out to protect the Ark of God from falling onto the floor and God goes, bang, you're dead. You're not supposed to touch that. Now I find that a little bit harsh because you know what I mean? He's only reacted, it stumbled, he's reacted and put his hand out. But it's interesting to note that that first compromise of putting it on a cart leads to another compromise. And before he knows it, he's completely out of the will of God. And if I was doing another talk this morning, I would talk about compromise and how we can't afford to compromise. Because one compromise always leads to another compromise. And it makes the next one easier. And before we know it, we're out of the will of God. The other interesting thing to note is that Uzar sticks his hand out and he assumes that his hand is more holy than the threshing floor. He's got an arrogance to presume that his hand is more holy than the Ark of the Covenant hitting the floor. How many times do we think we're doing God a favor? How many times do we think we're turning up to to please God, to church, and and we go, oh, you know, we'll stick our hands up because that'll make God happy? We can't be that arrogant. We can't be that arrogant to assume that we're doing God a favor. Let's carry on the story in verse 9. It says this, David was afraid of the Lord that day and said, how can the ark of the Lord ever come to me? He was not willing to take the ark of the Lord to be with him in the city of David. Instead, he took it to the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite. The ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite for three months, and the Lord blessed him and his entire household. Now King David was told, the Lord has blessed the household of Obed-Edom and everything he has because of the ark of God. So David went up, went to bring the, up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with rejoicing. So David gets scared. He puts it in Obed-Edom's front room. And Obed-Edom has, has the Ark of the Covenant. He has God's presence in his front room for three months. And God blesses him. The interesting thing to note about Obed-Edom the Gittite is that he was a Levite from the Kohath family. Which is the original plan of what God said. These are the people that should carry my Ark. You see, when we pull it back to the original plan, the heart of what God wants, God will bless it. And when we look at our worship... We need to get back to the heart of worship, don't we? And the heart of worship is exactly that. It's about the heart. It's about a discipline of our heart. It's about choosing to be a a living sacrifice for God in our worship. 
And I love this next bit of the story in verse 13. It's possibly one of our favorite stories in the Bible, possibly because it involves a slight bit of nudity. We'll get there. It says this in verse 13. When those who were carrying the ark of the Lord had taken six steps, he sacrificed a bull and a fattened calf, wearing a linen ephod, which is basically his underpants. Oh, I've lost my place. Wearing a linen... I got so excited. Wearing a linen ephod, David was dancing before the Lord with all his might, while he and the entire household were bringing up the ark of the Lord with shouts and sounds of trumpets. So David gets so excited about taking the presence of God back into the city that he can't take more than six steps without having a party to praise God. And he gets so excited. Do you know, if I was there, it would have done my head in a little bit. It would have wound me up. Because I'd be like, can we at least make this 10 steps, not 6 steps? <laughs> It'd wind me up. I imagine it probably went something like this. It probably went, right, we're going to take this to the, uh, we're going to take the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem. It's going to be amazing. Are you ready, boys? Okay, let's go. One, two, three, four, five, six. Yeah, come on. Yes, God. Woo! Yes. Okay, boys, we need to get going. We're wasting time here. We can't get too overexcited. You ready? Let's go. One, two, three, four, five, six. Every day I'm shuffling. Yes, come on, guys. All right, boys, let's calm it down. Put your pants back on. Let's go. One, two, three, four, five, six. Oh, now we're talking. Come on. Let's see your hands. Come on. March for Jesus, 1995. I was there. Come on. Oh, yes, Lord. I tell you what, they don't write worship songs like that anymore, do they? Oh, Graham Krendrick, what a hero. It was not, they couldn't contain their worship for God, that they couldn't take seven steps. Every six steps, they were overcome with a joy because they were taking the presence of God back into the city of David. They were so excited about it. And yet we come to church and we go, oh, happy day. Like, it's ridiculous, isn't it? Here's a guy taking the presence of God into his city and he can't keep his clothes on. He can't take seven steps. He's so excited to praise God because God is coming into his city. And yet on a Sunday morning when we come into the presence of God, we stand there with our hands in our pockets and look bored. It's funny, isn't it? Do you know, um, I think worship's got to be uncomfortable. I think worship's got to be excitable. And one of the places that I get most excited is at football matches. Um, For those of you that don't know, I'm a huge Liverpool fan. You can forgive me later. Um, And uh, I went to a FA Cup match a a couple of months ago. And it was against Manchester United. And I had a ticket for the Cup, which is like the main uh, seating area at Anfield. It's the most exciting place to be on a match day. And uh, it, was, it was a tense game, and it was one all with five minutes to go. Our goalkeeper, Pepe Reina, took a goal kick. He lumped it up the field. Big Andy Carroll, all £35 million of him, jumped up and got a little flick on. 
the ball went over Patrice Evra's head and landed at the feet of mighty Dirk Kite. He's from Holland, so you can forgive him for a weird name. He, he runs with the ball. He takes a shot. He puts it past the goalkeeper. The ball hits the back of the net, and pandemonium in the cop ensued. I went absolutely nuts. I was like, yes! I was going absolutely mental. I was hugging men I'd never met in my life. I was, I was kissing men I'd hope I'd never meet again. It was... It was an incredible couple of moments. And then I thought, right, I want to get a good view of this. So I decided to stand on my chair. I got really excited. I was standing on my chair. I was swinging my scarf. I kept my top on. But I was swinging my scarf above my head. I was going absolutely mental. Then the chair gave way. It flipped back. I, I ended up jammed in between the seat of the chair and the back of the chair. And I was completely stuck. And my mate Mike, who was with me, he said to me, the greatest thing that he's ever seen is the entire bottom of my half of my body not being able to move, but the top half of my body completely making up for it. I was like, "Ah." (laughs) it was ridiculous. And Villa fans, you might have to use your imagination when it comes to a goal being scored. (laughs) Sorry, I had to get that in there. And yet I come to church and sometimes I stand there with my hands in my pockets. Do you know, I believe that we should go absolutely mental for God. I think we should go, be, be giving our all to God. We should be celebrating God's goodness and God's mercy because God is worthy to be praised. The interesting thing about the football is that it was triggered by a moment. The moment the ball hit the back of the net, that was it. It all went off. See, I don't believe that our worship should be triggered. I don't believe that we should be waiting for a song that we like. We shouldn't be chasing goosebumps. If you're after goosebumps, go to a concert. If you're after goosebumps, you, you know, watch, watch a moving film. Worshiping God isn't about getting a nice feeling. It's not about goosebumps. It's about giving God our all. It's about, um, it's about our heart choosing to engage with God. And sometimes you don't feel like worshiping God. Sometimes you're in a bad place. I remember a few years ago when I was living in Manchester, I'd had a bad Saturday. I was in a bad mood. I woke up Sunday morning and I was still in a bad mood. And um, I went to my church. Now, my church in Manchester um, was, shall we say, a happy, clappy type church. They love to jump up and down. They love to go go nuts in worship. And uh, me and my housemate, we went um, to church that morning. We sat near the back and the pastor there started to speak about worship and he came to the end of his talk and he said right what we're going to do is we are going to jump up and down and we're going to praise God and me and my housemate looked at each other and we were like it's not happening we'll put our hands up but we're not jumping we're too cool to jump jumping's not my thing so, so they played this song and the front half of the room started jumping up and, up and down. The back half of the room didn't. So then the pastor gets up on the stage and he says, I knew this would happen. The front half of the room, you went for it. Back half, you didn't. So here's what we're going to do, Crafty. He said, everybody, I want you to turn and face the back. So everybody turned around. And now the back had become the front and the front had become the back. And he was like... Right, we're going to jump up and down. And me and my housemate looked at each other. I was in a bad mood. He, he was just too cool to do it. And we looked at each other and we said, we've got to do this. Otherwise, we're going to look stupid. <laughs> so we did it. We jumped up and down and, you know, glitter didn't fall from the sky. Nothing weird happened, but something in my spirit broke. And it was something about me going, do you know what? It's not about how I look. It's about how good you are. It's not about how uncomfortable I feel. It's about how amazing God is. 
and our circumstances cannot dictate our worship to God. It doesn't matter what we've been through. It doesn't matter how good or bad a day or a week or a month that we've had. Nothing can dictate our worship to God. It's all about our heart. It's about the state of our heart. And we've got to choose to worship. Worship's about giving our all. It's about becoming a living sacrifice. The memory verse for this week should be coming on the screens about now. Yes. It's Romans 12 verse 1 and it says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is true worship. I think that's really powerful. See, it's not about how we look, how we feel. It's about giving worship to God because God is good and God is worthy to be praised. I um, I line up a lot of my worship with how I am at football because it's an easy comparison. Um, and I remember a, f- a few years ago, I was at a worship event um, and there was only about 30 of us in the room. And we were singing, uh, then sings my soul, my saviour God to thee, how great thou art, how great thou art. Um, and I was, you know, I had my hands out, I, was, I had my hands out in the verses as well, I was being keen. And I was, I was singing away and I just felt God drop something into me and he said, would you sing like that if you were at the match? And I was like, no. And then he said, I want you to sing like you're at the match. And I was like, you sing like you're at the match? <laughs> You know that moment when you're like, oh, thanks, God. I'm going to look stupid now for the next five minutes. And, and eventually, I, I got the courage up to do it. And it came to the chorus. And I got louder and louder until I was like, then sings my soul, my soul. I absolutely went for it. The poor people next to me, honestly, the, the hair nearly fell out. It was ridiculous. But, you know, it was about me offering my body as a living sacrifice. It was about me going, God, I don't care how stupid I might sound, how stupid I might look, what people might think of me. I want you to know that you are the best in my life and you deserve everything. See, that, I believe, is what worship is about. And I'm focusing a lot on sung worship this morning. And uh, please do forgive me for that. I know and I fully believe that you can worship God in all sorts of different ways. You can worship God in the quiet of your own room. You can worship God playing football. You can worship God in all sorts of different ways. I do accept that. But I believe that sung worship is the best way that we as a church can corporately together worship God. A friend of mine uh, did her dissertation on sung worship. And she set out with the aim to prove that sung worship wasn't the best way to engage young people with corporate worship. And she did all these sorts of tests. She, did, she uh, held, helped her youth group experience all different forms of worship. And as she got towards the end of her dissertation, she knew that her goal had been disproved. Because each one of her young people in her youth group said, you know what, the time I felt closest to God was when we were singing together. The time I felt I was worshipping God best was when we sung together. I believe sung worship is really powerful. That's why we do it so much in church. That's why it's done throughout the Bible. That's why the angels do it for eternity, because it's powerful. I'm going to skip forward to the end of the story. Now, uh, we're going to go from verse 20. Now, I'd like to make a little comment on um, some culture that I've noticed within our church. Um, And it's, it's rooted within this verse. And it's from verse 20. 
When David returned home to his household, Michal, daughter of Saul, which was his wife, came out to meet him and said, how the king of Israel has distinguished himself today, going around half naked in front of all the slave girls of his servants as any vulgar fellow would. You see, I don't think we're that bad, but a little bit of a culture thing that I've noticed is that we're scared to get uncomfortable. We've, we've got a fear of being embarrassed in worship. When people might jump up and down, I, I notice that there's a little bit of a, they're a bit old to jump up and down. Why are they waving a flag? That's, that's a little bit weird. Why are they dancing? That's, that's a bit weird. Whoa, over there, he's putting his hands up. There's a culture of watching each other. I do believe that. And I don't think it's, it's that bad, but I have picked up on it a little bit. And you know, I want to speak into that this morning. Because David then goes on to say, In verse 21, David said to Michael, it was before the Lord who chose me rather than your father or anyone from his house when he appointed me ruler over the Lord's people, Israel. I will celebrate before the Lord. I will become even more undignified than this and I will be humiliated in my own eyes. But by these slave girls you spoke of, I will be held in honor. You see, David gets it. He says, do you know what? Before my God, I will become more foolish than this. I will look ridiculous before my God because it's not about what you think. It's not about what anybody else in this city thinks. It's about what God thinks. And I, I, I do my worship as an audience of one. And I want to encourage you this morning to, to do your worship as an audience of one. Don't worry about what the person next to you might think. Don't worry about what somebody else might think. Offer your body as a living sacrifice. Because that is true worship. What we're going to do is we are going to go into uh, some sung worship in a moment. And we, I want to encourage you to absolutely go for it. I want to encourage you to, to sing your heart out. We're going to sing, Oh Happy Day. And I want you to sing it like you're happy. Because let's be honest, that song celebrates the day that Jesus set us free from, from sin and death, isn't it? And it is worth celebrating. It's worth getting excited. It's worth getting a little bit sweaty for Jesus about, isn't it? Now, I don't want to ham this up. I want to warn you as well. Please do keep your clothes on. <laughs> don't want any of that. Um, but I want to say to you, don't do it because I've, I've hyped this up. Don't do it because, because of what I've said. Do it because of the discipline of your heart. Do it because you want to offer your body as a living sacrifice, as an audience of one between you and God. And say, God, I want to give you absolutely everything. And you know, if you, if you want to wave a flag, we've got some flags down here. If you want to dance, do you know what? You don't have to stay in front of your seat. You can move out into the aisles. There's loads of space at the front. If you want to jump up and down, if you want to dance, please do do that. There's loads of space around the room. Please do do that. But I'm going to pray and then we're going to worship God because I don't want it to be because of me. I want it be, uh, to be because of what God is doing in your heart. So let's pray. Father God, I thank you that you are worthy to be praised. God, I thank you that our circumstances do not dictate how good you are. So God, I pray as we worship now, God, I pray that it would be about a discipline of our heart. God, I pray that we would be excited to worship you, excited that we are spending time in your presence. God, help us catch a little bit of what David had when he couldn't take seven steps without worshiping you. God, would you give us some of that heart? Would you give us that that heart to worship you? God, would you give us that that uncontainable passion to glorify your name? 
And God, I pray that we wouldn't worry about what what people in the room think of us, God, but I pray that we would offer our bodies as a living sacrifice to be pleasing to you. Amen. And you know, David was passionate for God before the incident with the cart, cart and as he was moving it in and then it all went wrong and then the Bible said he was afraid of the Lord that day and he put God on one side for three months basically that's what he did he got hurt he got hurt and he put God on one side for three months and said I got hurt and, and I ain't going to do anything and he put God at arm's length and I just really feel this morning there's some of you here and you've done that you've got hurt Perhaps you've got hurt with people. Perhaps you've got hurt with church. Perhaps you've got hurt with this church or another church. Perhaps you've got hurt with God. And what you've done is you've said, I've got so hurt, I'm not going to get hurt again. Therefore, I'm going to put God on one side. And I believe that God is saying to you today, today is the day for you to go and pick it up again. Today is for the day when you say, do you know what? I have got hurt. I have put God on one side. But today, I'm going to knock on that door again and say, I'm back. I'm back. We all get hurt. We all get hurt, okay? You can put God on one side, and God is a gentleman. He's not going to force himself. But what he wants is for you to go and say, God, I'm sorry. I got hurt. I put you on one side. Today is the day when I'm coming back. And I'm going to kind of, you know the metaphors here. I'm going to pick you up again in that sense, all right? I'm going to go with it. And if I get hurt, I get hurt. But I know I'm, I'm going to be in God's presence and I'm going to be in God's will. Does that make sense? And I just really sense today, you've all worshipped God fantastically. But you know what? We'll just drift back to what we were unless we make a decision that today is the day when we're going to say, I know I was hurt and I know I put God on one side, but today I'm coming back. So I want to pray for you if that's you this morning. So can we just close our eyes for a moment? And if you know that's you, I want you to stick your hand up in the air, not to me, but to God and say, God, that's me. I've got hurt and I've put you on one side and I'm coming back. I'm going to welcome the presence of God. Thank you. Is anybody else this morning? Thank you. You say, I'm going to welcome the presence of God. Thank you, guys. Because I'm not going back. I'm not because of fear going to put you on one side again, God. Yes, I got hurt. But God, you are God alone in the good times and the bad. And Father, I want to pray right now for these folks that are acknowledging that. And I pray that this will be a marker day, a marker milestone moment in their relationship with you. And Lord, I pray that as they welcome your presence back into their lives, let them never be the same again. Let them never be the same again. They may get hurt again, but Lord, I pray that next time they get hurt, they won't put your presence to one side for a few months, but they'll take the hurt to you. And they'll find that in the good times and bad, you are God alone. So Lord, we worship you. And all of us this morning, we want to say, we worship you, not just this morning when we've been encouraged to do it, but Lord, tomorrow morning when we're at work and we want to take the presence of God into the city because you are God alone. And we love you, Lord Jesus. Why don't we lift our voices and sing this last song, I think, that that Luke's going to lead us in. And this is just an awesome song, which just says, Lord, bless the Lord, O my soul. And let this be our prayer, and let this be our commitment this morning, shall we? And if you have put God on one side for fear or hurt, then that's okay. God loves you. Just come back and just say, do you know what? That was then. This is now. I'm going on with God. Amen? Amen. Amen.